Welcome to Cowl Fans, a popped off production, the casual fans home for Overwatch League news. We're coming at you from the Tampa, Florida area. I'm Allurimore. I'm Haller. And it's so great to be back this morning. So great to be recording another episode. Last night, we got to spend some time with the Push the Point guys, Ramses and Labosco. Always mm-hmm. a good time. Always a yeah. good time. We got to be their first return guests. Yeah, that was super fun. Yeah, so I feel Love famous already. Um, going to go ahead and have a big head about it all morning. <laughs> <laughs> uh, if you like the show, if you're a fan of the show, if you are stumbling across the show right now and think that we sound ridiculous and fun to hang out with, you're right. And you should subscribe to the channel. You should subscribe to either our YouTube channel or our podcast on whatever podcasting platform you happen to be listening to us on. Um, and if you want to reach out to us and leave us a comment or a review, uh, all of our social medias are at CowlFans, and you can reach us there. And you can also, you've you've already found us on your podcasting platform or on the YouTube if you're listening to this message right now. So you can leave us comments there, too. <laughs> Big brain plays here, huh? Unless you're watching us on Facebook Live. Where you can still leave us comments finger guns all righty so we're gonna pick up into the what's what's been going on and uh then what's going to be going on and we're gonna start with our hometown florida they win against the atlanta rain no no wrong they tell me who florida played florida played the washington justice I called them Atlanta Rain all last week. Here I am. Did you? I did. I did. You made fun of me for it too then, and I couldn't get it right in my head. And here I have an, here I actually watched that game and still calling them the Atlanta Rain. You just I think you consider them a rival of ours. I I don't you're just saying somewhere deep down in your heart the Washington Justice are a rival to the Florida Mayhem. <laughs> I don't know. I have no idea Terrible why. Terrible 2019 season, but great stage fours. I, yeah, it does. It Both does. in the Atlantic South. It could be, it could be it. That's what it is. But you know unlike what? the Washington Justice, we have turned this ship around. <laughs> and we rocked those boys. Um, they had a bit of a surprise for us in store. So the Washington Justice were very quiet all week. After letting go, well, after Corey retired and Stratus switched to content creation, they were down to like five boys. Which is not enough boys for those of you who aren't no. sure. It's too, too few boys. <laughs> so Saturday morning, they surprised announced they got some new boys from Korea named Janu and Stitch, formerly of the Vancouver Titans. Or of the Vancouver Titans that were good. <laughs> That's an important distinction to make. And, yeah, it's an easy and important distinction to make between the two teams. If you're ever confused, good versus bad. So, the good Vancouver Titans. And Janu was an MVP candidate last year. Um, Stitch, we haven't really seen. Vancouver Titans are very hesitant play stitch and i think there's some juice there um there was a little bit of 
conversation about Soman Sue saying that he was offered um, a, a spot on a team shortly after the Titans broke up um, or were all released. And he said no because he, he didn't feel like it was the right time. Mm-hmm. Um, he was like still very emotional over everything happening, and then he he regrets it because now he's he's not getting many offers since then. So he feels like he might have let it pass by, and I wouldn't be surprised if Justice first went to Soman Sue then Stitch, but I think Stitch fits the Washington Justice brand well. I think they're 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 the fans of the Washington Justice are ready to be fans of Stitch. Yeah, I mean it's hard not to like all these former runaway players former yeah. Vancouver Titans players. Um, they just, they have such a history and esports fans traditionally follow players more so than teams. And so it just sort of makes sense. Yeah. So, and they definitely looked better. Um, spoiler alert, it's not enough. It's not. They they get, they get mostly slapped. They have a really good Hanamura. Um, honestly, off the back of synergy between... Um, Stitch and Aim God, they were just, they were hitting nades, they were hitting fire, T- I don't know if say fire, TNT. they were hitting their TNTs on Ash, um, and we didn't have a diva to like eat that up, right? So they were just kind of getting them for free. They weren't blocking them with their shields, unlucky. <laughs> um, and they just kind of, they just kind of rolled over us um for the most part on that map but otherwise we we were rolling them so unfortunate that we dropped one map because that unrightfully cost us the top seed it's true um but great match um gangnam jin really popped off yaki bkb everybody really had star moments yeah um which is nice we ran a lot of fate as we have been, honestly, um, just because we weren't planning to play the Reinhardt all the time, because we wanted to play Winston, even though the map pool didn't really allow for it. I think we were playing Fate because we wanted Winston more, but who knows? Maybe we were playing, maybe we were switching more to Fate. Maybe. Because he was playing a lot of Rhine, which would usually be Tarion's role. Right. Um, I'm not, it's hard to say. I feel like Florida has their tank line figured out as to what they want from it um i I just haven't figured out if it's always going to be the best call right now you know i feel like karyan does have his real place as our ryan specialist i really do feel like fate takes good care of all of our other main tank needs um but probably to have a single voice in there i know a lot of people talk about the main tank being an important voice Mm -hmm. and wanting to not switch that up so that may be the kind of the reason that they're trying to get Fate to work up his rhyme. Yeah, and and it always feels to me like the teamwork on the Mayhem is more on point when Fate's in versus when Karyon is in. Right. Um, they don't feel quite as coordinated. Um, some of it's the nature of the beast. When Fate's in, they're usually playing Winston or they're playing Arissa. Easy to coordinate around a halt. And if you're playing Winston, you're coordinating dives, right? Um, so there's just some natural synergies that end up happening or need to be performed if you're going to run those comps that don't necessarily exist in Reinhardt-based compositions. Right. So, 
that could be a factor too. It might not just be fate. It might be just the heroes he's playing cause that to happen. But yeah, I'm 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 spooked of a Karyon return when when these hero pools are dropped and you probably expect Ryan to be the most meta again. Um because I, I do feel like I value Fate's leadership, but we'll have to see how much that's the case. Right. Uh, it's a I, Some of his leadership qualities probably also stem from the fact that he is a league veteran. He's been in the league since it started. He was in professional yeah. Overwatch before the league started. He's mm-hmm. a well-known, well-liked, storied player. Yeah. And Great achievements. He's won a state finals. Yeah. Um, and that he counts for something. World Cup. Yeah. Um, it doesn't feel like it counts for a lot in esports in general, but with the uh, original goal of our Overwatch League being to be this long standing league and this thing that continues to develop and have these storylines that go a long way with their players, um, I think having a player around like Fate is ultimately a good thing if you mm. keep taking care of them and keep working with them and help them to stay on your team for a long period of time through some ups yeah. and downs. Um, mm-hmm. And Fate's had his downs, and it feels like we're having some of his ups right now. Yep. Uh, and also, just shout out to Yaki getting that that three, <laughs> that the three shatter duplicate. What a what a beast. Monster. Like, Monster. smurfing on some kids. <laughs> Absolutely ridiculous. There is smurfing in the Overwatch League. It's real. So, um, we had two close games this week, um, particularly in the NA area. We had kind of, kind of, uh, nail, real nail biters, actually. Um, Valiant versus the Defiant and the Gladiators versus Uprising. Two games we thought we, we thought would be extremely one-sided that went all the way. I mean, I didn't think Valiant versus Defiant was going to be that one-sided. If you watch Toronto versus Shock, you kind of knew Toronto was on the up and up because that game was surprisingly close. The scoreline did not do justice to just how close that match was. Every map was down to the wire with the San Francisco Shock. And you're like, okay, but team could do that. They're probably going to do pretty good. Um, right. But which one do you want to talk about first? Just start with the Valiant Defiant. You're already there. Okay. Let's go. So... Full disclosure, I only watched the first two maps and the last map. I fell asleep during three and four, not because it wasn't <laughs> bad, just because I was a tired boyo. Um But this this was an interesting an interesting matchup. Um Defiant come in with the idea of Reinhardt Good. That's that's kinda what they say. They say Reinhardt Good. Um, you get some sick sniper duels between KSP and Logix. A real just, just a treat. <laughs> just, just some good stuff. Um, but ultimately, despite incredibly close matches, like I think it was 299 to 100 um, control points, as close as it could get. Um, I don't even remember what the second match was. But also, also, oh, Actually, it was, like, surprisingly weirdly close. It was on Temple of Anubis, like, um, Valiant speedrun their first push, and then Defiant complete in overtime, so they don't get a second attack, and then 
hold Valiant for five minutes on point A, and then Holy Valiant moly. has to take point A in overtime. So, like, shouldn't have been close, but ended up being surprisingly close. And then Defiant was, from what I understand, was all like, hey, they beaten us with the dive. Let's just play dive. And then, boom, they win two maps. I don't know how, don't ask me. But it happened. They get to map five, and then the Overwatch League says, we skipped that. The Valiant wins. And then everybody goes, wait, what happened? What <laughs> happened? I don't under. I was watching the game, and then all of a sudden, they were just on it the was player over. cams, and the match was over. Yeah. There was some serious rubber banding going on. It was really intense. I do root. I like. Yes. Yes. This that... happens often when you're watching, but it usually only it goes. It's usually backwards in time, and it's usually five to two seconds of. Yeah, there was like a whole yeah. minute of skip yeah. where they skipped for. They actually, if you if you held on for a minute, they actually went back, and you got to watch them finish that map. Did they? It okay. did eventually skip back, and you got to watch them finish that map, which was. Really, I mean, it was jarring when they skipped forward, and it was more jarring when suddenly they were playing again. <laughs> it was weird. Oh, oh, it was happening this? like all broadcast. Yeah, you... just losing forty seconds of time, just like going backwards forty seconds or skipping ahead like yeah. a minute. I'm really what's happening. I'm really not sure what causes that particular issue. Um, I no. my assumption is that it has something to do with the stream quality. But everybody experiencing it means that there was something really significant with the stream quality from the sending side. Mm. So, um, I, I, I just don't really understand how that particular thing happens. Um, I know for the most part that kind of rubber banding is usually some, some system in there trying to correct its timing thinks that the timing is wrong. So, um, there, that, was a, that was a pretty significant error. But they're having a lot of errors this weekend, I feel like. So... Yeah. Um, Hopefully everything comes together for the main melee, but yeah. I'm not really expecting it to. I, I'm not either. Um, I, I know these guys are working real hard and doing their best yeah. to get this working, um, but it does... It, it, it already felt lackluster without having those fans in the room <laughs> and the energy that we were getting on broadcasts from being in mm -hmm. live events. Um, and then, coupled with this kind of thing, it's it's honestly really hard to stay engaged with Overwatch League over a whole weekend. Like it, like it was much easier before all this stuff happened. Mm -hmm. um, um, it makes me it makes me concerned for the league as a whole. But let's move on to the Gladiators versus the Uprising. Yo, because not only was this what a banger! A, not only was this a five map close game that was super awesome, it was also a huge upset. What? Yeah. With Boston okay. coming out on top of the Gladiators? Oh, boy. <laughs> Just, like, who knew? It was funny, because I sat down with my girlfriend to watch this match, and she was just, like, she was excited just to watch a team she likes rock a team she dislikes. <laughs> it should be the Gladiators beating Boston. And um, this, yeah, that did um, not that didn't happen. come to pass. So Boston made one change over the week. They added Punk, um, an off-tank player. Um, not really someone I feel like most Western fans would know. 
Um, I do believe he played on Uprising Academy for a little bit. Before then, he actually used to play with Color Hex, I do believe, on Sydney Drop Bears mm. um, in Australia, in their contenders region. Um, I always forget what theirs is called, Oceanic. Um, yeah. And then he's, he's been on like the Australian World Cup team most every year. So you would have seen him paired with Trill, Custa, um, them boys. Yeah. So honestly, a really good pickup. It's unfortunate that Brucin didn't line up the way he was. Another World Cup star who I was impressed by and what he did in the World Cup, but it never really seemed to translate to the Overwatch League. Um, but Punk, Punk comes in, and this team looks brand new. Like, Fusions is playing aggressive and hitting shatters the way we haven't really seen since, like, stage one of last year. Um, he, we, we got the fusion that was promised and that, that we kind of got used to very early on before he really fell off right. super hard. Um, all of a sudden, he was back. Young Bong um, transcended. Like, last week, Young Bong finally played well. And then this week, Young Bong was just crazy. Just hitting all the sleep starts, all the nades. Like, the dude was just a force. Um, Halo played really well on the Lucio. Um, it's just everything worked well. Jerry was awesome. Color Hex still looked pretty okay. Um, he, he had a bit of a... He, his positioning needs to be worked on on Echo. He has a propensity to just get picked off um by by the enemy hit scan because he's just he he likes to flank um where i don't think that's you you have to know when to do it on echo right um because otherwise you're going to get a shutdown really hard and you're not really being pocketed by mercies when you play echo so you need to when your flight ends you need to be able to fall on top of your team or else you're in a pretty risky position right um so Color Hex, he, he did have bright moments, but I think overall he still has some a little bit he needs to work on. But Jerry, Jerry was Jerry. Just the boy out there. Just killing people. And it's like it's not like the gladiators played really bad, right? Um they came they kinda came in disrespecting them a little bit. Um I, with with the roster they played. Like they, they played paintbrush um instead of big goose, right? Which is just like you saw Chipsa come in this week against the Vancouver Titans, right? Like a little bit of a, we don't respect you as a team, so we're going to let our bench players see some time and let our main guys rest. Um, turns out they needed Big Goose, and they brought Big Goose back in after the <laughs> halftime because Boston was all of a sudden, what the crap, we, we you scary. This match actually goes to six maps. It was a three-two, but they tie the second map. So this this goes on to a this is a six map series. <laughs> um, and yeah. it's it's it was it was probably the most exciting um, match of the of the weekend, if if not the month of the whole May melee qualifier set. Maybe San Francisco versus Shanghai was better, but it was. It was a really good match of Overwatch. San Francisco versus Shanghai? Yep. I'm sticking to it. Okay. I'm going to stick to Florida versus uh, Atlanta then. 
I'm lumping you so in with me. Versus Soul versus Soul, <laughs> a team with dark colors. Mm. <laughs> yeah, no, it was really just like you said. It wasn't like two teams battling it out because neither of them could remember how to play the game this week. It was yeah. two teams that looked good fighting for supremacy, and it was yeah. honestly a, a real blast to watch. Um, the fact that these surprising things were happening um, always makes for an interesting time, and it was it was just good. It was just it was, good. it was a good match, and it just it makes things exciting for the May Melee tournament, right? Because like you were gonna have this what you thought was gonna be the toilet bowl, this Vancouver versus Boston matchup right at the start. It seemed like an inevitability. It was gonna be terrible and fantastic in that aspect mm -hmm. and then whatever team managed to claw their way out of that match um would be the first pick um of <laughs> that uh, of the teams that are that are playing on friday right um but now there's no longer a foregone conclusion i feel like of who of who should be picked and it makes everything so much more fascinating of, of how this May tournament would play out. I could honestly even see a world where Boston makes top eight. <laughs> yeah, it could happen. Before we jump into our May Melee tournament, um, let's talk about some new rules that were sent down from on high in the league. And and there are really there are really two two significant rules here. The first one being that the eight player minimum requirement has been adjusted. To I believe they adjusted it to seven. Yes. Which means that um, basically in this difficult time of life that we're all living in right now, we understand that it may be difficult to get eight people on your team and into your region, and you may just need uh, to drop one, and, or you may be having visa issues or whatever, and they have sort of seen that that's a possibility, and they have adjusted that rule. Which I think was a, I think that was a good thing. I think that was a necessary thing, um, and and I don't feel bad about it. The other rule that I think is going to have more mixed feelings is they are allowing fourteen days, so two week contracts um, now for players for t and teams, um, just for specific situations to make sure that you're going to be able to have all the players you need at any given week. This one, I think, is going to cause a little bit more distress amongst the community, maybe. Um, mm. Being that this is this is a kind of rule that could allow players to really... Um, when, we talk, when we were talking about it on Push the Point, I think Ramsey said uh, mercenary players who bounce from team to team to team mm. um, every, every other week, which... That's a that's a valid concern. Another thing that this does, though, in in my eyes personally, is this sort of seems like it creates the uh, this creates the feeling of not a long standing league, but of a um, lower caliber tournament cycle system mm. rather than a, a standing league with franchises. It doesn't feel like a yeah. franchised league anymore with a rule like this. I understand why it may be a necessary rule at the current time, because yeah. um, it, amongst those 14-day 
contracts, you can pick somebody up from any region and they can play online with your team, even with really large ping, which you may do in case of a dire emergency. Um, but you don't want to sign somebody up for the whole year who's going to be on two or 300 ping and not know that you can get them here. So, so I understand why the teams may really want something like that uh, as a mm -hmm. fallback, but it's the kind of thing that could, if it, if it becomes something that the teams really, really like and they fight to keep, I think that actually hurts the league in the long run more than it helps the league. So it's just one of those things, and I yeah. don't like it. <laughs> and it feels like almost a band-aid for all of our teams dropping their academy teams because ideally this is what your your academy teams would be for right um because like this sort of thing it almost feels like more so um something like in hockey right if someone gets injured you have you have this feeder team that you can call people up from um and be able to play while they're they're injured i'm forgetting the term for these players um, there's a word for it. Sure. But that's kind of what it reminds me of. Um, call them up. It's for, for a short amount of time, and then you can either move on or just sign them. Have them integrated into the into the full roster um, on a on a more full time basis. So I I I would have rather seen this just be an opportunity for your academy rosters to be more utilized but i understand that literally boston is the only na team left with an academy roster and i think there's like a few chinese teams that have some left i think gen g is still around but it's uh, that our tier two two seems kind of shot dead yeah, yeah. it's a um, <laughs> which which is not a good thing at all um, no. it's it's the kind of thing that's really the team's fault I blame the te individual teams more than I blame the league I think at this one Cause well, nobody... I blame I, I think you need to blame the league too not maybe so much the Overwatch League but the lack of resources that Blizzard have poured into T2 like you can't you, you have to blame that as well I... like they're not handling the tier 2 scene well that, I mean they're not handling it great I'm not gonna I'm not gonna compliment them on it it, you know that's for yeah. sure but at the same time um i really don't expect a tier two scene to get a lot of resources <clears throat> i don't expect a tier two scene to garner a lot of attention without without oh. hosting some form of live events which they were hosting the occasional live event which i think was ultimately a good thing for them and those events i think yeah. helped create some resources but the fact mm -hmm. of the matter is um, in like minor leagues in professional sports, they're not making a lot of money. So yeah. the way that they make them valuable for them is to really pour into their coaching staff to be people who build up new players, um, mm -hmm. which creates new players for them. And then they create facilities for their academy teams that are usable by their main teams. Because um, like I know in Tampa, we have the Tampa Yankees which is actually the New York Yankees-operated minor league team. Yeah. And they um, come down here to Tampa to do, like, their spring trainings and stuff. Is yeah. that... Yeah. So, so I was just going to mention, which is, like, something fun to think about, the, the Yankees have nine minor league teams. Oh, I did not know that. <laughs> so... 
suck up out of feeder system. They have they have nine teams that they feed. <laughs> so there you have it. I mean, and and I've been to a Tampa Yankees game, and they're not selling a lot of seats. They're not. Mm. The way that this is a valuable thing for the Yankees is that they have these extra facilities that they can take their players to for a change of scenery for special. Um, training sessions and camps and stuff like that, and they also create new players for themselves to bring into the major league. That's that's in, that's all the value. So they've invested millions of dollars for that, and that's that's uh, where. You... By the way, I I want to correct you as well because okay. it's one of my favorite names in sports. They're no longer the Tampa Yankees; they're the Tampa Tarpons. Oh, did they really rebrand it? Yeah, that's hilarious. <laughs> Tampa Tarpon. It's Tarpons, like Tarpon Springs. Get it together. Uh, it makes sense. I just, I like to say the Tarpons. I bet I you know, do. It rolls off the tongue better. Tampa Tarpons. So, yeah, but that's 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 where that's what you do, you know, in a minor league in a tier two scene. And so for these teams to expect something different than that is is kind of silly. That's not there's not yeah. a lot of resources being pushed into that scene by the minor league baseball this the resources are coming from the from the teams but the teams also get some broadcasting rights so it would be nice for you know blizzard to loosen their hand a little bit like like i said i can't not yeah. can't compliment blizzard's handling of this <clears throat> if these teams were allowed to broadcast their own things publish their own stuff and make their own money yeah. off of that that would be a that would be a better little bit of extra return that might be more encouraging to them yeah, and it's a bit different where, like, a team like the Yankees has buco bucks to throw around, where I think a lot of the Overwatch League teams, you know, you're really not making a return on, on our investment yet. Unless, like, maybe you're, like, the shock have. Um, but for most teams, you're probably not really making too much, especially with the cancellation of homestands. Yeah, that so, really hurt us. Yeah, it, they're probably this. This could be kind of like we do, we don't have the funds to be able to support this, even though we would like to and see its value. We just we have to prioritize our money in other places for now. So hopefully, as the league matures, um, if it does, because it feels like we're in maturing. But, <laughs> uh, if the league does start to mature, hopefully that means they could they could put some more reference um, resources into it. Yeah. Into tier two. Yeah. Hard agree. So let's move over to our May Melee tournament brackets. Melee. And we really only have half the tournament brackets. So what's ho what's happening here is... Yeah. Well, why don't you explain what's happening here? Okay. So I guess we could start in Asia because that's, that's kind of the more clear um, bracket. And we can move to North America. So we've got two different brackets going on of tournaments where teams are competing to get extra wins as well as prize money um, by placing in the top four. So in the Asian region, they already they've already placed and they've already done their picks. So Guangzhou Charge ended up as the first seed. They get a bye to Saturday or to Sunday's matches. This it basically a bye to the semifinals, so they're they're guaranteed an extra win, um, and everybody else has to compete on Saturday in Asia to get to the Sunday semifinal matches. So your first match will be Seoul Dynasty versus the Hangzhou Spark, um, and the winner of that match will go on to face Guangzhou, 
a quick little snippet about both of these teams because we really didn't discuss the Asian matches, mostly because I didn't watch them this week. Um, <laughs> so the Seoul Dynasty got rocked by Chengdu. So they're continuing to be potentially the least consistent team in the Overwatch League right now. Um, and then Hangzhou Spark have officially picked up Architect from the San Francisco Shock. Um, so that's pretty nutty. <laughs> He's very good. He's very, and used to play with Godsby back on a team called X6 um, in Contenders. So he's been reunited with a lot of his former teammates. X6 made up kind of the core um, of the Hangzhou Spark. And so he's been reunited with them. And I, to me, their weakness has always been the person paired with Godsby. Like, if you watched our show last year, you would have heard me complaining about having them play Crystal every single week. Because Crystal was a really good player, but they kept playing Adora who never really looked good, and Bozzy, who didn't look good until playoffs, um, who's now retired, by the way. Bozzy's gone. So pour one out for Bozzy real quick. Um, continuing forward, though, so that should be an interesting match. And then speaking of interesting matches, Chengdu Hunters is the New York Excelsior. So New York is the team um, that is always good, but never seems to be great. Um, they're not in conversation for the best team in the league, but they always seem to be in the conversation of top five teams, right? Right. Um, so New York, I feel like, has a lot to prove here. Um, and Chengdu Hunters are a really good team with a lot of upset potential, but also potential to just kind of get rolled um, as well. So that should be an exciting matchup. Um, so honestly, there's a lot of good matches in the Asian region. The only one that's probably going to be incredibly boring is London Spitfire versus Shanghai Dragons. Yep. Just London don't look very good. <laughs> um, and Shanghai Dragons are the Shanghai Dragons. So yeah, it feels and not of 2018. <laughs> yeah, it feels like if you have to put money on a winner, you're going to put it on the Shanghai Dragons. But if you have to put money on something with the highest level of confidence it's money against the london spitfire yeah yep yeah i don't i don't think a team's going anywhere and then but then after that the winner of chengdu versus new york versus shanghai should be great and then um i could honestly see that end up being better than the finals hopefully whatever teams move on um to the finals from the seoul hangzhou guangzhou bracket um prove me wrong but i could see that semi-final of whoever of shanghai versus new york or chengdu to be the best match we get in the asian region but should ultimately be a really fun tournament bracket um we kind of knew it um with how good those teams have been we've talked about a lot on the show how stacked the asian region is um so I'm, i'm excited to see them actually have a bracket where you get to see the two best teams that week compete against each other should be dope yeah it really should be um moving to north america we um oh and then these matches in asia should be the normal asian time so seoul versus hangzhou is at 4 a.m chengdu versus new york 6 a.m eastern time and then 8 a.m is london versus shanghai and then 
the next day should be the same. Um, Guangzhou is at four. Um, and then the semi, the other semifinal between Shanghai and then New York or Chengdu would be at six. And then your finals would start at 8 a.m. Um, and keep in mind that's a best of seven for the finals. So that right. makes it want a bit longer. So that one, especially if you're on the East Coast, you don't care about the semis. You could just wake up for the finals and watch them live, very likely. Um, going to North America, we have a lot more teams. So we have a lot more play we need to do for every team to play. So we start on Friday. And we start at the only official time we've been given is 1 p.m. Eastern time. Vancouver Titans take on the Toronto Defiant to basically get into the play-ins. It's a play-in for the play-ins. Yeah. Interesting. <laughs> um, it's almost a foregone conclusion at this point that Toronto are going to win that match unless Titans really turn things around, but Titans don't look Overwatch League level. Um, and unless something changes, they're probably not going to pick up a win for the rest of the season. So, unlucky. Um so Toronto will probably win that. And then I assume since that's at one o'clock and matches are usually two hour blocks, right? And matches this past week have been starting at three o'clock. I would assume matches would then continue right at three. Uh, Maybe. Yeah, I can like, see that. So that's kind of what I'm just going to assume. I, I, I think <laughs> I think I'm told otherwise. I think you're making an unsafe assumption here because not it's not going to be until after that game that all the teams are going to pick and lock in the seating. Yeah. Um, so you're going to have to have a block of time there. So they usually block out two hours for a match. So it's possible that these that they block out another hour for them to pick their stuff at least an hour. I mean, I wouldn't imagine teams to just pick their stuff willy-nilly. Most of them probably already have what, what picks they want picked out yeah, and thought through. Yeah, um, because no one's expecting the Vancouver Titans to win, so I think everyone's already kind of is thinking about who they would rather pick, particularly right. Paris, who get the first pick, right? They probably already know who they want to play. Right. Um, but I think talking about picks is interesting because it's honestly... so. Who you're expecting to be the so the teams that are picking for Friday are Paris Eternal first pick, then Atlanta Rain, then Gladiators, then Fuel. So those are your teams who are picking, and then the teams that are being picked are um, likely Toronto Defiant if they win their match, and then Boston, Houston, and Washington. And it's just. It's, it's a lot less clear than I think you would have thought going into this who you might want to pick. Like, right. before you would have assumed the winner of Vancouver versus Boston would have been the first pickup. But now Boston just beat Gladiators. Do you, was that a fluke and you just picked Boston? Or do you avoid Boston because they're now this unknown quantity that might actually be pretty good? Right. Um, Washington looking better with Janu and Stitch, right? Do you pick them again, hoping like, okay, you saw Florida Mayhem beat them pretty handedly. There was one spooky map, but we feel pretty good about that. Or are we afraid of what the Washington Justice can do? Houston seems to have finally figured out their roster. Are we afraid of that? Toronto 
took Valiant to five maps, played Shock very close. Do you pick Toronto? Like, there doesn't seem like there's these clear-cut choices. Um, like, particularly for, like, someone like Paris, you've been 3-0'd by Houston. Do you pick them? Like, right. it's... There's, there's so many questions now, and it's going to be super-duper interesting to see what these teams end up picking. Um, ultimately, I think you see Paris, Atlanta, and Gladiators. Like, I, I feel like I'd put my money on them getting out um, and into the Saturday matches. I think the biggest question mark for me is Dallas, because Dallas is such an inconsistent team week to week. Um, sometimes they're playing San Francisco Shock close. The next week they're getting absolutely destroyed by, I don't even remember who they played this week, um, but they did get rocked um, in that match. Um, what is it? It was a, supposed to be a good match. Paris. They played Paris, and Paris <laughs> destroyed them. So you don't really know what you're going to get with them, so I could see whoever they end up playing could maybe sneak through. Yep. And then whoever wins that match probably just gets picked by San Francisco Shock in the top seed. Um, but I'd like I'd like to discuss Florida's chances. Can we discuss Florida's chances? We can. We have some time. Let's briefly discuss okay. Florida's chances. Let's. So Florida is coming in as the second seed, right? Um, so let's let's just assume all the top seeds from the Friday tournament make it through. So Paris, Atlanta, Gladiators, and Dallas. Okay. Um, I feel like San Francisco would probably pick Dallas. It seems like your safest bet. Um, and then Florida has a choice between Paris, Atlanta, and Gladiators. Who do you think Florida should pick? Who? Well, if, if we are assuming Gladiators have won their match, <clears throat> I think that they're not as tilted as they were when they lost to Boston. A tilted gladiators is a dead gladiators, but an untilted yeah. gladiators is a pretty reasonable opponent. So I don't think I would pick the gladiators. Um, okay. Uh, then we have Atlanta and Atlanta Boston, or Paris or Paris. Sorry. Yeah. Um. I I think I might go with Atlanta. Yeah. Um. I feel like I feel like, you know. Remember they three owed us hard. It was not close. That's the true. The last time we played them this season. That's true, but I feel like watching their games recently, they haven't looked as strong as they normally do. I agree. Um, I think they got destroyed by the shock. Not even close. I think that's exploitable. I think they're kind of on the downward trend. Mm -hmm. And fighting a team on a downward trend is a better bet than fighting a team on an upward trend. Um, just because there's so much momentum involved in team mentality and in how teams tend to play. So <clears throat> I think I would probably go for Atlanta. The problem is the teams that are on a downward trend, I'm not sure. I'm not convinced they're going to make it. You know, like the Gladiators, mm -hmm. they got hit by Boston. Right now, the Gladiators are a tilted Gladiators, and and they, they may not make it through that first round. Um, yeah. Which means that that alternative pick may not be a may, yeah, may I not be the them, same. I'm predicting gladiators that end up um, going up against defiant is kind of how I'm seeing the selections play out, and I could see a world where defiant upsets the gladiators. Yeah, 
I they almost for upset sure. Valiant, and I think Valiant might be the better team right now. So yeah, I think that's highly possible. And then, and I mean, and then who do you pick? Defiant. Or I feel like you almost pick, Defiant make it through. You definitely pick Defiant, right? Yeah. Um, I think that would easily be the weakest of those teams. That's like your clear choice. I think the real um, problem is Florida just hasn't played. Uh, Florida's team variety that they played during this tournament was not good. Yeah. Which we did, we did three zero Paris before we started going on our Boston tour, right? Right. Um. So we do have one impressive victory under our belt, but Houston also three zero Paris. So it's like. How much do you value that? Yeah, I don't know. Um, Paris, Paris is, Paris is kind of the Chengdu of the North America. Like, I you, I'd give that to Dallas. But. Maybe, but I feel like you can wake up today and and three zero Paris, and you can wake up tomorrow and Paris will three zero you. Yeah, guess that's true. But Paris recently has been pretty consistent. But yes, I I think back when Florida was playing that, that's kind of how Paris was performing. Yeah, I mean generally Paris is a good team, but there's yeah. there's this off chance at any given moment that your Paris is either going to perform really well against you or you're going to perform really well against them. They really don't middle ground yeah. very well. Yeah, but so. I think it's going to be tough. Like, I would have really liked Florida to get the first seed. I would have felt Excuse a lot me. more confident about Florida being able to make it to the semifinals um, if they got that first pick. Like, I feel good about us playing Dallas. Like, their their biggest threat is Decay. And I think if Decay just plays Tracer, if we're struggling with that, Yaki can match him. Right. Like, I, I feel pretty confident in that. And then I think in most of our other positions, we can beat the Dallas Fuel. Um, and take a W, even if it's a bit scrappy and close. Um, but if we don't get to play a team like Dallas or whoever was able to beat Dallas from the lower from the lower lower seeds, um, then yeah, I, I it's it's I think I think, I think a... we are on level with these teams, but it's not going to be as clear cut as it might have been. Right, I think there's a lot of parity in the North American uh, section of the league right now which yeah. is ultimately a good thing. Mm. It's going to create four interesting games, nail biters, and we're going to be on the edge of our seat. I think that's great. I think that's good. Yeah. I think that's good for our uh, league matches and for our league viewership numbers. Um, mm -hmm. I just kind of feel like just, I just kind of wish this was happening under some better circumstances. I feel like this would have been received a lot better, um, but it's not. And so we're going to need to make the most of this. Um, as a, as a league as a whole, but as a Florida fan, I don't like it because here was this chance for us to come, come in and swing strong and probably do do really really well, and we probably still will do well. I mean, I don't think we'll be yeah. bad, but uh, our chances of our our strength is going to be a little different in this than than we anticipated. So, mm -hmm. uh, you know, everything is like that. So, so yeah. But yeah, I think I think if I'm Florida, I'm picking Atlanta probably. I mean, that would be good storyline as far as like our rivals. And well, stuff. yeah, and you've heard me call it, call Washington Justice Atlanta so many times. Yeah, so now I'm more thirsting for this match. He's I, ready. I, I I want this apparently. <laughs> it's it scares me, but I I think Atlanta would be my last choice of who to pick. 
Atlantis spooks me. <laughs> but it would, could be a good story, but one I could see blowing up in our face. Right. Very hard. All right, well, that is the end of our list of discussion topics. Bow, 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 bow. <laughs> so, thank you so much, everybody, for tuning in. Uh, make sure you tune in to Overwatch League and then Cowl Fans next weekend um, and beginning of the week to see how this May Melee rolls out because it's going to be a blast. Please make sure you follow us on socials. We are um, uh, Facebook and Twitter at Cowl Fans. C-O-W-L fans. Uh, subscribe to our podcast or on on your favorite podcasting platform or on YouTube at the Popped Off channel. Big thanks to Popped Off. They host us. They take care of us. They are wonderful human beings, and we love them. Um, so, you know, go check them out. They're worth checking out. Um, you know what? I haven't plugged this in a while. See this mug? I like this mug. It's got our show name on it. It has our little picture. If you go to zazzle.com slash cowlfans, you can buy a mug. And the Cowl Fans show will get like 15 cents. Thank you very much. I could buy a quarter with that. No, you can't. <laughs> <laughs> no, but we've got, we got some mugs and some t-shirts, and I think that it's cool and... I'm a dork, so you should also think that it's cool, therefore. <laughs> wow. <laughs> I'm just, I'm just such, a, such a salesman. I'm good at this. I uh, <laughs> I will never work in sales. Um, <laughs> I won't. So, that is that. We really appreciate all of you who watch us and follow us regularly. Please keep continue to tune in. And, uh, hey, if you're on a podcasting platform... Leave us a review. Reviews help us to be more visible and also help us to better our show. And we really haven't had very many reviews since our early days. And it would be super swell to get some and be able to do some little reworks here and there. Because, you know, we are a living, breathing people. Okay, Howler is just a living people. No breathing. Anti-breathing gang. Anti-breathing. He's he's joining Jake's team. <laughs> um, yeah. So that's that. Hey, thank you so much for joining us, and uh, we will see you next week. Bye.